Val has my back, so I will forever have hers. She's a mentor, mother, sister, and friend. She's an example that hard work, ambition, and guts can pay off. She accepts no compromise between winning and having fun doing it. She is our moral center. You never know which is bigger, her brain or her heart. She always walks with the team. She comes in each day trying harder than the day before. She sets the beat. The agency dances. She looks you in the eye, tells you like it is, and is brave enough to ask you to do the same right back. That's why so many people want to work for her and why so many always come back to her. A sign on her wall says, give it to me effing straight. So, in as effing straight way as possible, we love you, Val, and only wish that this 20th year is but your halfway point at Deutsch. I was so humbled that my folks put this piece together for me on the celebration of my 20th anniversary at Deutsch. And since we're coming up to 25, I thought I'd pull this thing out and see if it's still true, and it is. My name is Val DeFebo, and I'm the CEO of Deutsch in New York. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world, The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's go to three questions. What do you think others believe your superpower is? And conversely, what would you say your superpower is? People have told me that my superpower is having an amazing leadership EQ, which is a funny thing to say. What they say I'm good at, and I kind of agree, is I look at someone's face while I'm talking to them. I look at their eyebrows. I look at their eyes. I look at around their mouth. And I look at their body language. And I try to see, you know, because some people will smile at you when they, don't, when they disagree with what you're saying. But then there's usually another clue that they're not exactly excited about what you're saying. They tap their fingers or something. And so I look around and I try to study fast, really right. fast, so that I can talk to people in a way that I think is meaningful to them. So an example is we'll be in a a client meeting around a table and right in the middle of while we're presenting something, if I see like a a furrowed eyebrow or or like big lines, shifting in the seat, I say, hey, Mary, you look like you're not following here, right? So what's up? Can we help you with this? And they flip out a little bit, but they go, yeah, you know what? That's really great. Can you just stop for a second because I'm lost or I completely disagree? And that's good for us to know, so right, right. we can shift around. But I think it's, I think it is a superpower to be able to kind of look at people and know what they're thinking. Is that a learnable trait? Do you think with people, or is it a combination of like natural and learned? Because you know you've been doing this like I have for for a while, so you kind of know the the permutations. But especially for younger people. Is it something that can be learned, in your opinion? I think it's a learnable trait, yes. I think being mindful and not just being in yourself. So being mindful yeah. of how other people are reacting to you, I think, is important. And I think you can learn that. I don't know if it can be everyone's superpower. Not everyone will be great at it. It be a skill. It's a good skill to but have it's in, a good in the skill. toolbox, right? Yeah, great skill. I just got all corporate there and said toolbox. Sorry. <laughs> Depends on what you think a toolbox is. Well, <laughs> but yeah, okay. in this industry, it changes every day, it seems like. Uh, this is a word that we throw out quite a bit, and I'm glad you chose this question. What does being fearless mean, and why is that? For me, being fearless is about not being afraid to fail. It's about bravery. It's about courageousness. It's about the not being afraid to fail is the most important piece for me. Do we celebrate failure too much, though? I mean, it's like, it's not the goal, right? I mean, it's not the goal. 
to fail. No, the goal is not to fail. The goal is to learn from a failure right. and be able to move on and do the next thing. So in other words, you write a song and it's a flop, doesn't mean you stop songwriting. It means right. you write something different, right? It means you, or you try again. Sometimes you fail because people aren't ready for your ideas yet. Oh, that's a great point. No one's, right. no one's brought that up before because the people who are thinking that far ahead that's interesting. Right. So new is sometimes, yeah. you know, you, you can go to focus groups, right? When you, when you have an advertising idea, for example, and all these people will look at something and say, I've never seen that before. It makes me uncomfortable. I say bingo. You know, that's a good thing when, when you're mm -hmm. showing something to people that they have to think about, they've never thought about before, right? Right. You, look, you know, Hamilton is one of my favorite things on Broadway. Look at Hamilton, right? It could have been a massive flop because people could have said, what the hell is this? A little too esoteric. Well, and a little too like, who the hell puts rap in right. in the Broadway? But the truth is, it's been a smash hit, right? And right. and it's because their people have embraced the innovation, and I think because it makes sense. Yeah, and it's interesting because we're in an industry that likes to, I'll say, recycle instead of copy. I mean, do, do you think that we can continue to reinvent and create new things? Because it does feel like that we do recycle a lot. I think if you're curious and brave and not afraid to fail, you can invent new things. And it doesn't mean everything is so new that people go, what is that? But there are new ways to take old information and, and re-celebrate them, right? right okay, right. I don't think it's a, re recycling is really copying and doing, you know, copycatting I was and trying to that. be diplomatic. See, I'm from Portland well, now, so it's, you know. I'm trying to, I'm like. trying to be I, diplomatic here. Yeah, and I guess what I'm trying to do is say, there are things from the past that are inspirational. Yeah. So those I wouldn't consider recycling, but there are new ways to use them. And I think right, that right. could be, still could bring you new ideas. When are you at your best and why is that? I'm at my best when I take care of myself, when I put the oxygen mask on. Nice one. So one of the things that I've learned to do as I've matured in this job, I would say, mm -hmm. is take a little time for myself, do some meditation and yoga. I have this great woman named Lindsay who I work with, and she really helps me get out of myself for a little while so that when I come back, I can do it with intensity and passion and not and be mindful of what I'm doing. And I think it's, it's amazing. Use a meditation app. Simple habit. That's I, my favorite. That's what you use? Yeah. Some people use Headspace. I, yeah, I don't Headspace. use that. I try to do it on my own. Yeah, okay. And, and with a, you well, know, no, you've, with got a, you've got a Sherpa. You got a, you got I a got guru. a Sherpa. Yeah. I got a Sherpa. That was like a shameless plug for Simple Habit, by the way. Okay. Well, tell me why you like it. Uh, keeps me grounded. Right. And even though I live in like one of the hippy-dippy places in the country, uh, it's a stressful gig. Yeah. And, you know, you need that. And everybody, and the thing about Simple Habit is like quick five minute little, you know, bada bing, bada boom. Yours is more intense. So I think my point here is that, well, I don't have time like Val does. I, and it's like, cool, d go do this for five minutes. Trust me. It, but you, yeah. I don't have time. That's, that's actually the beauty of it is right. what I've learned to do is if I'm on the subway on my way to work or on yep. the railroad, do I take that 10 minutes to read every one of my emails or do I read most of my email and take five minutes to think about how had to be mindful about what's going on around me and just take five minutes to, to clear my brain. So I can't do an hour meditation. That, that's not okay, happening. Wouldn't that be great? An hour anything at this point. Yeah, that would be nice. I would love to do that. <laughs> I would love to do that. Let's go to the must list. What is a must do?
I think a must do is to be constantly be curious and feeding yourself. And so what I, I was cheating and I was thinking about the five things that I think are must do's are, mm -hmm. you know, traveling and, right. and reading and listening to music and exploring and things like that. Sure. And I was trying to think, what's a big word that helps me to put all those things together? Because I don't think there's just one. I think it's about mm -hmm. kind of feeding your brain and giving yourself nourishment intellectually and from a creative standpoint, at least in this job. So those things all kind of fit together for me about being curious and literally stimulating yourself with stuff that you don't do every day. Well, and I mean, this city, New York, it's like go every block, there's something new everywhere. But also, where'd you grow up again? Was it the, was it the Bronx? I grew up in the Bronx. Queens. Oh, the Bronx, that's yes, right. Yes, I grew okay. up in the Bronx. Yeah, I'm sorry, I almost said Queens. And well, because I live in Queens now. Okay, that's, that's where I got where confused. Okay, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I didn't want you throwing anything at me. No. So, no, no, no. But like, talk about talk about the Bronx and the Queens because you know again those are places that people they're like yeah what are we gonna do over there but there's like amazing things over there especially culturally that I mean they're they're literally so mind expanding. So well you know it's it's an interesting thing right growing up we lived minutes from the Bronx Zoo and from the Bronx Botanical Garden and so just being able to have that kind of respite from what is a crazy packed in kind of living and have those oasis so close to home was amazing and learning about whether it's animals or plants or whatever is pretty cool. Five minutes later you're walking down Southern Boulevard and there are people with boom boxes you know I grew up in the well, 70s right yeah, so yeah. boom box on the street break dancing and singing and rapping and so to be exposed to that kind of almost dichotomy is really interesting and, right. and it stimulates your brain. And so. it still exists today too, just yeah. in slightly different forms. I mean, everywhere in the city. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, the steel drum player is down on 34th Street. <laughs> I sing Bob Marley with him sometimes in the morning. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, really? The dude sing. no, yeah, he sings, he's got a steel drum and he sings Bob Marley tunes and I like reggae, so sometimes I stand on the platform. A lot of people do it, by the way, I'm not the only one. Yeah. There are people who break into song at these subway platforms now. It's kind of funny. I do like that. I love it. I love it. What is a must experience? I think creative arts, I think the theater is one of the things that I think everyone should experience. I think watching people perform live, it's different every single time. You can see the same show four times, it's different every single time. Mm -hmm. And part of it is because they interact with the audience, part of it is because they do something slightly differently one night, or the set will malfunction, or the set comes, <laughs> whatever it is. It's on your feet, having to remember everything you're supposed to remember, all of your cues. I love watching the nuances of the theater. And then for me, it's very moving, whether it's a musical or a dramatic piece or experimental. I saw something the other night that was basically from a new writer and it was, the writing was spectacular. It's, it was at the playwright's realm. The writing was spectacular. The message was so important. One of the main actors in this play had to have surgery. So they called in this guy at the last minute. He had eight hours of rehearsal time. What? Yeah, and they said, do you want to cancel your seats and go another night? And I said, no, I want to go tonight. I want to see that. I want to see that. The guy was amazing, and he act and it was so great to watch the chemistry with the rest of the cast with only eight hours of rehearsal time. And that to me is, it's brave, it's awesome. There's, I don't know. There's it's, kind of, it's kind of analogous to our industry, too. You have eight hours to do something, and you better be good. Well, for me, too, theater is very much like being on your feet at, at a meeting or, you know, so sometimes 
we're in a meeting and you never anticipated the question. The meeting just goes in a completely different direction right. and you got to deal with it. Like the show must go on. You better figure it out. You better think about what you need to say. And sometimes you can say like, I don't know the answer to that, right. but you have to think on your feet. And yeah. so to me, that's very analogous. I like that. What's a must read? For me, a must read is the New York Times book review every Sunday. Okay. In paper. So in the paper. In the paper. I like to, I pick that piece out mm -hmm. and I take it with me and I don't read it all on Sunday, but, or on Saturday when I get it, but I like to look at it through the week. And it's, it's interesting because I like to see, I look at the bestseller list, whether they're the e-bestsellers or the, right. you know, the hardbacks or um, paperbacks. I like to see what people all over the country are reading. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting to kind of see where people's heads are. It gives you a little bit of a cultural like right. touch point. And then I just like to read about the things they cover, the reviews and things. I want to see what's out there, what people right. are writing about now. What, uh, what are people reading now, recently? Well. What's the mood of the country, Val? Well, you know, the mood of the country is, is through the lens of books is like everything else mixed, right? <laughs> it is. We're it's, not a happy place. Well, and I, in some places we are a happy place. I, well, I think that people are happy in their own thing, right. but I'm not sure that they're all happy about the same thing. In other words, some people are reading Hillbilly Elegy and some people are reading uh, The Zookeeper's Wife and The Handmaid's Tale or whatever. Right, you know? right, right. And there are millions of people still reading Hamilton, right? So there are lots of things that people are reading. But I think it's interesting to look at what, what's being written too. Like I still love reading the books about the things that are recovered from the Nazis or the people who helped the Jews during World War II. I'm fascinated by it. And I'm fascinated that people are still writing books about it, that there are still firsthand accounts that you can get, that they're still digging up stories about. And I'm not talking about fiction. No, 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 no. But they're, they're unbelievably important. They're unbelievably important. And to me, just, I guess they exhibit a lot of the things that I, aspire to, which is I like the stories about the people who help save other people, who yeah. had empathy for other people. And so those are the ones that <laughs> even Monuments Men, right? Love that movie, love oh, that man. book. So, so right. underrated of a film, right? Yeah, so underrated. We watch it at home a lot, but, yeah. but I love it because it's so historical. It's so, um, I love the, the... It's such an interesting story. Like yeah. who knew? Right. I love those those types of stories. Right. Who, like who knew? Who knew? And all that art. So right. I love art. So like so it's so exciting to me. In fact, we went to the Met. They have eleven pieces of Jeez. art from the Monuments Men, basically, and they're not all in one place. So you have to get the map and you have to go around the museum and look for them. Wow. Which is really cool. Oh wow. What's a must learn? For me. Uh, learning how to be empathetic has been really important. So putting, and that doesn't mean just like I'm a bleeding heart. It means putting my, <laughs> right. I am. No, no, no bit, I know. Right? But it's about putting yourself in someone else's shoes to be able to understand their viewpoint and hear kind of where another thought comes from so mm -hmm. that you can, I think, be more sympathetic, empathetic, understanding, inclusive. Right. Because we've all been there. You got the 23-year-old coming in as a junior strategist, and it's like, we've been here, so you just let me know. Because you're very, I mean, that's the thing about you, is that you're, you're very open door with everybody here, which is very unique. Very open door with everyone here. In fact, uh, I, uh, I meet with... To your peril? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to my, well, 
I actually can get criticized for it sometimes. Really? Yeah, people think that the CEO shouldn't have the door open to every single person and there should be people on the front lines sort of. Like a hierarchy, yeah. Yeah, and like someone taking some of that some of those things off my plate. Yeah. But the truth is, I love the fact that someone will call me and say, you know what? I just, I had a quick thing I wanted to talk to you about. You have five minutes and I make five minutes because I think it's important. I totally agree. I think it's important. I think um, we wind up having a conversation about their careers, about their personal life, about their ambition here. And that's good for me to know. It's good for me to be able to touch base, I think, with lots of people in this company. Yeah. It's a great thing. And I... I would encourage people to do it, actually. Yeah. I would encourage more CEOs to do it, too. More senior leaders. I mean, I understand. It's like sometimes you got to put up walls to get work done. But there's, it just it becomes so counterproductive, and then you, you lose talent that way. Yeah, I think people want to know that you're invested in their future, right? Yeah. And so if you don't have time, so one of the things I do when people start here and they're new is we give them journals and I write personal notes in everyone's journal. Cool. So glad you're joining the media department. You'll find Karen's a great boss. I want. I can't wait to see the work that you do that propels us into the future. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, and by the way, I can't wait to meet you. And people come up to me in the bathroom and they're like, Val, I'm Isabella. I'm the planner <laughs> that you said you can't wait to meet. And it's great because then I know their face and their name and that's a good thing. Right on. What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? I hate this question. Why do you hate this you. question? Why do you um, hate this question? There's, there's definitely a question that you haven't been asked that you'd like someone to ask you. Well, I, you know, one of the questions I've never been asked is if I could take a sabbatical from Deutsch, what would I do? That's a really good question. Because I don't want to quit, right? So, right. If you, so if some, Sabbaticals are great. A lot of people have asked me, what would you do next? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I have some ideas about what I would do. But next. I like the sabbatical. But sabbatical is interesting because if I could take a year off, there are a bunch of things I'd do. Of course, I'd travel. Everybody right, says sure. that. Right, sure. Yeah. But I'd learn some languages and I'd play the piano, I think. You would just do a bunch of me stuff. Like, just like cool stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I would. But I probably would do some, like, I sit on a lot of pro bono boards and I probably right. would keep doing a lot of that work. But I do that now. Right. So what's that one wacky thing though? Because you know you talked about learning the piano stuff like that. Is there That's one like wacky. huge, huge thing? It's not wacky, but you know what I mean. Is there like one big thing that like you'd be like, I'm going to go to this place and do this because travel's one thing, but I would go do this here. Well, if I had to pick one thing, I think I would I would go to Italy and explore the art. Because you've yeah. done a little bit of that. I do, I do a little bit of it, but right. I never have the time to do all that I want to do. So like being a, like an art student again. Yes, I would like to be an art student again. That would be awesome. I had a minor in art history, but I would love to be able to really see all the stuff that I saw on slides in person. Oh, I, I mean, I, yeah. I check them off one at a time, you know, but but I've never been able to do like more than a couple of them. So right. I'm, that would be exciting. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they want for a minute or two. So without further ado, the floor is yours. You know, Doug, I really think that it's, it's what we were talking about before. How long can you do something that you love to do? And should you be doing something else? And I guess the way, the way I like to think about work is it's part of who I am, but it's not all of who I am. And so as it's exciting and stimulating, I think about what's my legacy in this business. You know, it's very unusual, 
probably how many other women stay in a job 25 years and are at this level. I know that I'm in a position that a lot of other women are not. They're probably a handful or maybe two handfuls. So that's pretty special. And I feel like part of what I do is try to pave the way for other people to do this. Not just women, men too, but I want people to know that you can stay in a career and be stimulated and happy and give back and take people with you and grow and have a wonderful, fulfilling experience doing that. And I think when I look around and I see people jumping from place to place for money, how do you make an impact when you're at a place for two years, really? I don't know, because it takes a year to learn a job, really. And then I look around and I say, you know what, There, I know it's cool to jump around. That's what people do, because they want money. But when you're building something, it takes a little bit longer to build. Whether you're building a family, or you're building a business, or you're building a community, you know, you think about how long it takes to set your roots in and then be able to influence a whole group of people to be productive together. And I think about this place that way, and I think about my family that way, and I think about where I live that way, and the organizations that I'm in. And so I think about building things and building communities and building things that are productive together. And so I guess what, what I like to talk about is kind of my legacy. I hope what, I hope what people say about me is the impact she made will get carried on. Do you know that the other people will be able to follow in those footsteps? And I think that's a cool thing. That's what I'd like to leave behind. Being the CEO of Deutsch is only a part, but it's not, it's not for the title. It's for how you do the job, I think. We wrap up the show with one last piece of advice or wisdom. What would be your final word? So someone did ask me this question before. This is what I was saying before about, did you ever, is there a question you haven't been asked? I'm like, a lot of people ask me the work-life balance thing. I'm like, I'm over that one. I can't, I can't talk about that anymore. I think a lot of people I mean, are. <laughs> yeah, well, because there's no answer to it. So, no. you know, that's not, a, so what I would, I guess a, a piece of advice that I like to give to people is kind of do it now. And what I mean by that is people will say, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to make a company where in the next 10 years I can be doing this. And I say, start doing something about it now. Because I think there's no time like right now. If you have this great idea, you're passionate about it, you're excited about doing something, start doing something about it now. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Always a great pleasure seeing you. My Congratulations pleasure. on the... The tenure, the accolade, it's awesome. It's awesome. It and is I, awesome. And I was just thinking about it. It's like you and I have known each other 10 years now. Wow. So. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. So friends getting together talking. I'm so excited you came to visit me today. No, it's been great. And best wishes for continued success. You're an absolute, you know, we talk about like national treasures, you know, like, like Paul Hogan's like a national treasure of, of Australia. You're one of the national treasures of this industry. So thank well, you for everything you do. Thank you so much. And we so love much. you dearly. I love this industry. I love the people. I love what we do. 